Welcome back to the Golf Life Faith Podcast. My name is Jace Barber. I'm one of your hosts. I have with me, or he's not with me, he's in Kansas, but I have on the Zoom, uh, Toby Ragland. Toby, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Looking forward to you today. How's the, how's the weather in Kansas? Starts off nice and cool in the morning, like low to mid 60s, and then gets very hot in the afternoon. Nice. Yeah, I was curious nice about- I was, indoors recording. Yeah, I was curious about your, your hoodie situation. Didn't know if the it was AC cold. is strong. I think <laughs> when, so uh, Jimmy Stanger rented this house and when he got here, it was very warm. And uh, I think we've overcompensated with the, the coolness. Especially if my brother's staying in the house with you, that he's going to have that thing set at 59 degrees. So yeah, he's like, it's great. <laughs> love it. So our guests on the podcast today, this is exciting for me because I get to participate in both of these podcasts, but it's uh, my good buddies, William Kane, Webb Simpson and Ben Crane coming from Bible Caddy Podcast, which we also help with. Um, so, William, how's it going? We're doing great, buddy. Just recorded a little Bible Caddy, rolled it right into this one. We're, we're hot. We're trying to great. stay hot. Webb, how's it going? You've been, a pot, you've been a guest on the pod before, but you know, this is a little bit different of a dynamic. So how are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I, I live in Charlotte, apart from my boys, apart from you, Jace, Toby, I mean, love coming to hang out for an hour on a computer. It's better better than a phone call, so I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. And then last but not least, the guy that we need to have his own individual podcast on soon, the man, <laughs> the myth, the legend, Ben Crane. Ben, how's it going? Well, he couldn't be better. Um, couldn't be more grateful for CGF and excited to be uh, on y'all's podcast. Yeah. So fan from afar and certainly, uh, couldn't, um, be any more joyful and content and thankful for your help with Bible caddy every week, buddy. Love it. And after you, you put the glasses on, you know, who do you look more? I mean, who looks more like Brad Payne? You or Brad Payne? Nobody knows. <laughs> I had some, who was it? It was uh Patton Kazire as I'm walking off the range at Canada last week, last week for Canadian open. And I hear this, Brad, Brad, <laughs> <And I'm> like <laughs> some guys yelling, Brad. And then finally I just look over <laughs> and I've got my glasses on and he goes, Oh, it's Ben Crane. Could have sworn it was Brad Payne. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. I mean, that's a compliment to Brad, right? You're way younger than Brad, right? Like yeah, three, like three to five years. Five, five years younger. And I immediately yelled back at Pat Gazar, Davis! <laughs> Davis! <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Davis doesn't have a belly that big. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so there's there's a lot going on in the world of golf. And on the Bible Caddy podcast that's going to be released this week as well, um, you guys talk a lot about the the merger or the – you know, new company, the situation going on with Live Golf, PJ Tour and stuff. So if you're a listener and you want to hear more about that, listen to the Bible Caddy episode this week. They banter for 15 minutes on some great golf topics. Um, and then that's really the, the point of this episode is to expose you guys to Bible Caddy and what they do. So they talk about golf. It's great. And then they enter into a sweet Bible study. William leads it. Uh, Webb and Ben, you know, have a conversation about it. And it is so impactful. It's changed my walk with the Lord in such a great way. Um, and it just teaches mm -hmm. you how to read the Bible. It's, it's mm -hmm. unbelievable. So 
what we want to do today is kind of do a little mini version of that, talk about it. But we do also want to talk about golf because there's a big tournament this week, U.S. Open, Los Angeles Country Club. Um, so let's banner about that a little bit. Webb, Ben, William, you know, let's share some uh, fun U.S. Open stories. What do you guys got? Well, let's just highlight LACC first. I've played it twice. Um, if you're going to watch, it's going to be very different than your traditional U.S. Open golf course. I think most of us, when we think of U.S. Open, we think tree line, heavy, rough, got to hit in the fairway. LACC is right in the middle of Los Angeles. There's buildings and uh, mansions all around it. Um, one of the most expensive zip codes in the United States. Not a ton of trees, fairly open. One thing that I wish TV could do a better job of, but it just can't, um, is showing the viewers the slope. There's a crazy amount of uphill, downhill, side hill on LACC. It's kind of like Augusta. You don't appreciate how hilly Augusta is until you go there. Um, but I am very interested in watching the scores because I play it and I'm like, man, golf course is really hard. But I see it as a place where at any one day, if you're a little off, kind of like TPC Sawgrass in a way, like if you're a little off there, 78's in play. Um, but if you get it going a little bit at TPC Sawgrass, you shoot 65, 66. And I see LACC as being that way. It's very tricky. Um, and I'll just throw out one hole, probably my favorite hole in the golf course, number six, 330-yard par four downhill. Um, my boy, Polly Tesori, put a video out earlier saying there's, you know, it looked like 10 caddies, 10 players were on that hole around the green arguing, trying to figure out, do we lay up? Where do we lay up? Do we go for it to which pin? So that'll be a fun hole for the viewers to watch this week. One of my favorite sleeper things about the U S open this week is it's on prime time because, prime time. because it's West coast time. So we're going to be watching golf at about nine o'clock at night and it'll be super fun to, just be watching U.S. Open, have a full day at home, and then lay down on the couch after dinner and watch some U.S. Open golf. Ben, what's the hardest U.S. Open golf course you ever played? Buddy, not even close second. Beth Page Black when it's blowing 25 miles an hour and raining sheets of rain, and I'm 12 over par through like <laughs> 17 holes, and I'm like, I totally got a chance to make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> what was ball speed that day, you think? Buddy, I mean, I might have clipped 157 on, on a couple of holes. Just hammered it. Just hammered time. <laughs> hey, was 10 I, – I didn't play that one, but I remember hearing stories. Um, I heard a story that Corey Pavin couldn't get to the fairway, so he was leaning after his tee shot, and somebody with him was like, it's right down the middle, but he was leaning for it to get in the walkway because he couldn't reach the fairway. I was playing behind him. <laughs> And, and I was looking over like, okay, this is the hole. Can he cover? Can he cover? This <laughs> is like this long. It's a foot long. And I'm like, it's going to be lost ball. And he's going to hit it right down the middle. <laughs> That's oh, amazing. man. Corey Payman's first ever lost ball. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Hardest got- U.S. Open course I ever played was uh, probably Wingfoot. Um, the, most recent, tw- the, the most recent one a few years ago? Yeah, 2020. Willie was there caddying. Um, Wingfoot was brutal. Just It's one of those, you hit in the rough, you're laying up pretty much every time. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of the 
you know, I know they want even par to be the score, but it just gets kind of ridiculous at times. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where it becomes a little bit of a fairway hitting contest. And, you know, if you miss by one foot, it's a full stroke penalty. You know, it's like. Right. So I, I'm a huge fan of the graduated rough. You know, me like, too. Right, give me, give me a, a couple of intermediate cuts. Like if I'm. You know, 15 yards off the fairway, I mean, put me in a haystack. Like, totally fine yep. with that. But but if I'm, if I'm a yard off the fairway, like, come on, man. Come on, man. Give me a break. Because here was the fascinating thing about Wingfoot, and I talked to Jason Gore about this. This was when Jason was still with the USGA. Where they made the mistake on setup at Wingfoot was, number one, uh, the fairway hitting percentage that week, I believe, was around 33%. So, um that was the average. So average PJ tour or average us open player that week's average of one out of three fairways. So if everybody's missing fairways, who's going to win the guy who hits it the furthest, because I can't compete at 200 yards out when Bryson's 140 yards out, if we're both in the rough. So they made the mistake on not having more graduated rough. And then I think you should make the rough longer as you get closer to the green, which would be really awesome. But if anyone's keeping track, Webb Simpson's gone from 165 ball speed to 173. <laughs> Come on, baby. Let's go. Hey, I, quick, quick aside, quick aside. I just, I'm really almost exclusively all in on Webb Simpson golf course design ideas. Ooh. Come on. Yes, I feel like he's got great ideas. Like the rough should be longer the closer you get to the green. That's right. such an equalizer. Right. It's an equalizer. Bryson can still hit his driver 350. We're not we're not taking driver out of his hands, but he better hit it straight. Now that's where I wanted to follow up about you saying number six at LA Country Club. It's literally yeah. the only hole I know anything about because um, I saw it on the Golf Channel at LA Country Club. But like I think we need a lot more of those holes in golf, and I think I I mean I've heard you say similar things. Like what do you think we're going to learn in this world of we need to roll the ball back mentality. What are we going to learn from number six? What do you think? Great question. Here's what we're going to learn. Um, I can't speak for number six because I don't know it well enough in the sense of what scoring average will be, but like there's, you know, number three at Augusta every year, it plays over par every year. And so it's 50, 60 yards wide with no water, no out of bounds. And it's whatever it is, 335, 40 yards and it plays over par. So I because think, of the shallow green on the left-hand side and because of slope in the green. Correct. And then Tenet Riviera plays around par every year. Yep. And I love Tenet Riviera and Doug Ferguson, uh, sports writer for uh, Associated Press. I, he's in the bleacher at 7.30 in the morning. I'm like first out starting on number 10 at Rib a few years ago. And he's the only guy in the bleachers. And I'm like, Doug Ferguson, I walk over, I put out, I can't wait to get over there. Doug Ferguson, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you're up early. It's Thursday. And he's like, oh, Ben, this hole's great. It's like I go to a really busy intersection. I turn all the lights green. And it's just, you don't know when, but you know it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. That is great. That's awesome. That is great. I mean, I think uh, you'll see guys potentially lay up when they can easily reach the green. Um, I think there'll be probably many arguments between player and caddy. Um, I think we'll see that not every drivable par four is always a green light to go for it. Um, You know, Justin Thomas, he lays up at number 10 at Riviera every year, depending on where the pin is, at least once or twice. So 
Um, I would be surprised if the score and average is under par at LACC number six, but we'll see. And haven't we heard that the 15th hole can play as short as 78 yards? Yeah. It's, it's an unbelievably cool par three. Okay, I think exactly. from the back of the tee to back pins, maybe around 135, but they have all the room in the world to make it, you know, minus uh, 80 yards or under. So knowing USGA, that they, they will switch the golf course up here and there. I bet on Saturday we see it like maybe the shortest part three in the history of U.S. Open. So, William, William what about you? What, about, what are some good U.S. Open memories? Man, I think my favorite U.S. Open – well, I had fun caddying in the 2020 U.S. Open at Wingfoot. Uh, we got to play practice round with Tiger, and I remember still walking up. It was like 8.30 in the morning, walking to the first – or the uh, 10th tee at Wingfoot. And Tiger's there on the tee with Joe LaCava. And he sticks out his fist and says, hey, I'm Tiger. And I was like, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it was, it was fun being there. Um, but my favorite U.S. Open story for sure is watching, watching Webb win in 2012. I'll, just, I'll never forget seeing my bud, uh, yeah, just make a little three-and-a-half-footer to win the U.S. Open as a 26-year-old. I was just so happy for him, so happy for his family. Like, it was a thrill for me to watch that. So that's easily my front runner U.S. Open story. Thank you, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I'll throw into that. I think having grown up around Paul's story a little bit, I still remember the chair I was in watching you putt out and jump <laughs> up in the air. That's uh, awesome. Lindsay's just like, what, why are you, why are you so excited about this? <laughs> love seeing you win and Thanks, buddy. mostly cheering for Paul, just admitting, yeah. but you know, and, hey. and a fun little uh, nod to the listener, why you should be uh, a web. You should be a fan of both of these guys big time. Cause they're two of the best ever. But I remember either late that night or early the next morning, Webb and I talked. And after I got like two questions out, Webb's like, buddy, how's your family? <laughs> like, buddy, we're not talking about that right now. Like, we're talking about the U.S. Open. Uh, but it's just that's quite, funny. Webb and Ben both share that that characteristic. They're very others focused, and it's a sign of a truly humble person. But I, at that point, I'm like, Webb, you need to shut up, and you need to take me just shot by shot. <laughs> hey, so Jason, Toby, um, funny little story. My first U.S. Open was the year before at Congressional. This is my first U.S. Open and my first major. And congressional number 10, extremely difficult par three, 215 yards over water. If you're if you're long, you're in the back bunkers, you're making bogey. So I'm in between six and five iron. I am so nervous. My first major. I try to hit a hard six. Don't catch it perfectly flush. Lands on the bank, comes back in the water. End up hitting it at 10 feet, made it for bogey. Go to 11, very hard was hole. It, was it yellow or red? I can't remember. It was yellow. Oh, yeah, I had to drop. It was like a pitch wedge for my third. Go to 11, hard hole, maybe the hardest part four out there. Stripe it, hit a five iron right of the green in the water. Drop, get up and down for bogey. So I'm walking off 11. I've My first major, I've hit it in the water on both holes. I've one putted on both holes, and I'm two over. And I look at Polly, and I'm like, well, the good news is there's no water on 12. And, you know, he started laughing. But that was my first my first intro to U.S. Open. Hey, Ben Crane's got a nice story from that same U.S. Open. I do. Which one? Golf Boys. <laughs> oh, gosh. 
No, that was uh, that was congressional. You're right. That was congressional. Yeah. So we <laughs> we just filmed Golf Boys. We we're trying to figure out a week to launch it, and we go on the set Wednesday night with Rich Lerner and Frank Nabilo, and they have not seen Golf Boys yet, and they're going to watch it live on the set with us, Hunter Mayhan, Bubba Watson, Ricky, and I. Is Hunter wearing a shirt or is he wearing his leopard print on the set? Leopard, leopard print. Yeah, got the, got the whole outfit on. No, I wish that would have been incredible. Bubba in the overalls. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's like who who wins best outfit, Hunter or Bubba? I don't know. It's strong. And the fact that Bubba won the Masters right after filming in those overalls is just priceless. Um, so we're on the set, U.S. Open Congressional Wednesday night. They watched the video. I've never heard a set like quiet for longer. Like they literally didn't know what to say. Like, what the heck is this? So we go out to the U.S. Open the next morning and we tee off and there's kids in the, um, in the crowd going, Ooh, da, lolly, lolly. you know, like, like, Oh, 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 like they're singing golf boys to us. And we're like, Oh my gosh. Like, what have we done? Like they think they can like yell at us now while we're hitting. Cause like we were having fun in this video, whatever. And everyone was like, I don't think anyone played any good. We're like, we're idiots for launching that video. And then a couple of days later, we're like, what is changing golf? Like, you know, so it was, uh, yeah, that's awesome. That's right. Congressional U.S. Open launching, launching golf boys videos. Wow. William, kind of get us going. Give us a, just kind of an overview, 30,000 foot view of what you guys are doing with Bible Caddy. You know, your vision for that, um, Maybe some, maybe a cool story that's come from it, and then like maybe even give us a little glimpse into you know you guys kind of walking through you know what an episode looks like. Yeah, so I think we we decided to do it. Ben and I had been encouraged by a couple different folks to um, to do a podcast about a year ago, a little bit more. We do a couple of weekly Bible studies together, and they were encouraging some people. And so they said, "Y'all should do a podcast." And we, hey Ben, you ask stupid questions, and William actually knows the answers. <laughs> that's not not true if you listen to the podcast you'll see that's not true ben and webb are they're sneaky beasts in their bible but um yeah i think the goal is kind of our our little tagline is carrying the good news about jesus to the world of golf and that's what we want to do we want to use the influence that ben and webb have in golf to expose people to the real jesus the jesus of the bible who is uh who died for our sins and who has risen to life forevermore. And we want people to know him. And so the last year we've kind of been walking through week by week, just looking at who Jesus is. We've looked at what he did and what he taught and what he claimed. And now we're looking at why he died. And the goal, uh, primary goal is that people would, who don't know him would know him more. And people who do know him would just be strengthened in their relationship with him. And then a secondary goal for each of us, the Bible has become a passion, uh, not, not an end in itself, but the way by which we've gotten to know God and Mm -hmm. we get to know God better, the better we get at reading the Bible. And so one of my hopes is that as folks listen, they would grow in that skill of Bible reading so that they can know Christ better too. And our tagline is, I love our tagline that Dave O often says, which is let's get into the word and let the word get into us. And as the word, as we get into the word and the word gets into us, like we literally are transformed. Um, mm-hmm. That's promised to us, and it, and it really does happen yeah. um, because of His goodness and glory. And um, William, give us a little taste. Today was one of my favorite Bible studies yeah. we've ever done. Webb and I were just amazed, and we're in this season of um, doing some episodes on why did Jesus die, 
And so take us through a little bit of um, the things in the Old Testament um, that points um, point to um, that Jesus was going to die. Yeah, gosh, there's there's so many. And we like we said on the episode today, we could and we could do months on this. But today we started in John chapter 19 and it's very interesting. John, he organizes his crucifixion account around the fulfillment of Old Testament promises or prophecies. And so four different times in about 20 verses, he says, uh, this took place to fulfill what was written. Um, So one, one fun little nugget that we looked at today was in John 19, 20, 20, 23 and 24. It says that the soldiers who crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier also his tunic, but the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. It's a fun little eyewitness detail from John. And they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. And then John adds, this was to fulfill the scripture, which says they divided my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. Now, if you look, there'll be a little letter in your Bible next to that Old Testament quotation. And that little letter in your Bible will tell you where in the Old Testament you find that. And so you you look at that and you see, man, that comes from Psalm 22, verses 17 and 18. And then if you go back to Psalm 22, Ben, what do we find? How does that Psalm start? What's the first verse of Psalm 22? I can count all my bones. And is that what you're talking about? No, the, the very first verse of that whole psalm. Oh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, which and how, why is that familiar to us? Because that's the Jesus's words on the cross. That it, so it's Jesus identifying. Hey, I'm I'm talking about Psalm 22 right now. I'm fulfilling that exactly. And if if you go and read that passage, what you'll see is it talks about being Jesus being. Um, rejected and ridiculed. And then it says they've pierced my hands and my feet mm-hmm. and, you know, they cast lots for my clothing, but this is the way God's going to bring salvation to the world is kind of where the Psalm concludes. And so this idea that you see is even on the cross, Jesus is calling a shot and he's saying, this is, this has been the plan all along. Mm-hmm. What, what happened or what was written in Psalm 22 is happening right in front of your eyes. Mm-hmm. So Anyway, what we do in our, in our podcast is we just kind of get in the text. We read it slowly. We mm-hmm. read it prayerfully. We read it imaginatively. We ask questions about it to arrive at the author's yeah. original meaning. Um, and then once we've done that, then we work to apply it to our lives. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how each episode goes. And you know what? I don't know how many people are listening, but I do know that uh, it's a highlight in my week every week to hang with Ben and Webb and read the Bible together. Amen. And maybe William, like you don't have to use specific names or whatever, but has there any been any great feedback or any stories that have come from it? You guys haven't been doing it that long. I think you're, you know, this episode this week would be episode maybe 35 uh, or 36. Um, so it seems like a lot, but it's been less than a year. Um, have you guys seen, you know, some fruit, anything come out of it? Yeah, there's been some neat things. I think the, the coolest story to me has been a guy, um, in Raleigh, North Carolina, who, um, it's just a neat story of the body of Christ working together, frankly, but, um, Webb and I, and Ben's got no trainer too, but we got a buddy named trainer, Reitmeyer, and trainer does a Bible study for young men. And his wife does a Bible study for young women. And if there's a young woman who comes 
that is dating a guy, then trainer will just call that guy and share the gospel with him. <laughs> and he's just super bold. So he calls this guy. This guy ends up coming to his Bible study. The young man ends up becoming a Christian. Um, and then that guy's dad gets diagnosed with a pretty serious cancer. Well, well, the guy, the younger guy, wanted to talk to his dad about the Lord. And um, long story short, was kind of like trying to figure out the right way to do that. So he said, Dad, what if we started listening to Bible kind of together? So they started listening together every week and since have made it a part of their weekly life. They've started to pray together. Um, and this is when both of them were coming from a background where I think faith was not a, a vital part of their life. And so now to see the Lord using, you know, our little loaves and fish to encourage somebody who's facing a, you know, very serious cancer and, and just using it to bring that guy closer to Christ. That's that, that's a sweet story. That's really encouraged me. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things I love, um, not only listening to it, but when I spend time with the college golf team and someone asks me about reading the Bible, it is such an easy intro to go, Hey, download the Bible caddy podcast. You're going to learn how to open up your Bible, read through a passage and know what kind of questions to ask. Mm. Um, and that's been such a good tool. And who knows just the, the eternal impact that's going to have um, that we may never see here on earth, um, but we will see one day. Yeah. I was wondering if you could give us kind of an example of one or two questions you would ask. So for someone that has couldn't even find a book of the Bible, um, if you told them to, they open up their Bible to read John. They start in John <laughs> 1. What are some questions they should have kind of top of mind as they start reading? Mm. Yeah. Great. I would say like if number one, John one would be a perfect place to start. So if you're listening and you're thinking, man, I want to get going to my Bible. That's where I would say, get going. Just where Toby said, John chapter one. And Toby, I usually give guys two questions when they're just getting going. The first one is what does this teach me about Jesus? So if you're starting in John, the whole book of John is about Jesus Christ. John is writing to convince us of the identity of Jesus, that we would know that he's the Christ, the son of God. So I would start by saying, what does this teach me about Jesus? Just make observations about him. The, the point of life is to get to know him and to find our life in him. So Amen. Um, start with what does this teach me about Jesus? And the second question is, how does it apply to my life? Mm -hmm. So if you kind of follow John's purpose statement, you, you see that um, he says, these things are written that you may um, believe. believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Mm -hmm. And so he wants us to see who Jesus is. And then he wants us to appropriate, appropriately respond to that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I just like saying, Hey, open your Bible, read one section a day, very slowly, read it a couple of different times, mm -hmm. pray before you read it, Lord, open up my eyes to see who Jesus is and how I should respond. Mm -hmm. And then have a little pen and paper next to you. And just write down, what does this teach me about Jesus? And how should I respond to this? And I think if you start doing that, yeah, you know, you get down the road pretty fast and then you'll start seeing similar things. You'll start making connections and then you can start writing questions down. And then you're calling Toby and you're saying, Hey, what, what does this mean? You know, or I saw this, Jace, what do I do with that? <laughs> yeah. And you get an older brother in the faith to walk with you and you can really grow by just doing that. Hey, and Toby, I'm thinking of Psalm 119, 
96, it says, I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. Um, and God's word, I have seen this prove true in the sense that God's word can do anything that God's word wants to do. And so I might read a passage and know it really well and be very familiar with something. But a week later, a year later, 10 years later, I read the same passage and I see something new in it. The Holy Spirit is using that passage in a new way in my life, a fresh way. Um, I heard a pastor say recently, he's read the Great Commission 50, 100 times, and he's preaching on it, and he saw something he's never seen before. And I think Mm -hmm. it just shows there's no end to the depth of Scripture, right? There's no, you can't put boundaries around it. Um, And as William said, John's showing us the identity of Christ. The whole Bible is speaking to who Jesus is and Um, I love what William said, like William, those two questions are so simple yet they will lead to profound, um, profound wisdom. And I think that, you know, like it's so cool that when you start to realize that when God, God is always speaking in Mm -hmm. some way. And most of the time he's speaking through his word and we see that God's, you know, that the Bible is God's word to us. Right. And I love, you know, I've just prayed, you know, Psalm 119, 18, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful truths in your law. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you can just like, Lord. And I, I think just those, those breath prayers of like, Lord, help me yep. see and behold these wonderful things in your word. And when you pray prayers like that, they're in alignment with God's will, like mm-hmm. look out. Because God is just loves us and is ready to move in our lives as we open ourselves up to him um, and are obedient to be in his word like that. Gosh, that's that's so good, man. And I mean, following up on that, you know, Psalm 25, four and five, make me to know your ways. Oh Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth and teach me for you are the God of my salvation for you. I wait all the day long. Like Mm -hmm. if you need wisdom, ask him for wisdom. If you That's want right. to learn his body, like know his word and know him, ask him. It's mm-hmm. like another catchphrase you guys use. You know, the Bible's a supernatural book. We need supernatural help. God, please yeah, yeah. reveal yourself to me. And he wants yeah. to do it. He wants to teach you his ways. Yes. Amen. And that's kind of like Jace for us. One of the reasons why we do this each week and like, we would love for there to be a real, um, I don't know, like a real, like beautiful handoff in a lot of ways between golf life and faith and Bible caddy. Like we want your listeners to be enthralled with Christian golfers because we want them to become Christian golfers. You know, like we want them to grow up into Christian men or to have examples they can follow. Um, But the way you get there is through daily base hits in the Bible. That's it, buddy. Yep. You know, and we want, your listeners and our listeners and really everybody in the world, world of golf to see, man, the Bible really is true. God really has spoken. And um, so there's a, a few verses in Psalm 19. Listen to what this says about the Bible. The law of the Lord is perfect, Mm -hmm. reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise, the simple, Mm -hmm. the precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. 
The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and Mm -hmm. righteous altogether. And listen to this. More to be desired are they than gold, Mm. even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. And so we just want people to see like, man, the word is sweet. Like, can it be confusing? Sure. Can it be intimidating? Yes. But when you get into it, it is what you're made for. You're made by right. God who speaks to you through his word. And we just want you to taste that treasure. That's right. Yeah, so so Webb and Ben, you know, since you guys have started this, maybe both of you just give what's what's been one thing that you've seen tangibly like change, grow, you know, mature in since you guys started this. Cuz I mean there's there's got there's got to be stuff. Like it's, I've seen it in me, I've seen it in you guys. You know, so maybe kind of give some encouragement on that front. I just think like the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? And how do you experience the joy of the Lord? Is mm-hmm. Reading um, God's word by praying and by, by obedience. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of that for me is happening in community like as we read the bible together god just does exceedingly more than i could ask or imagine um i think about jesus has just become more to me he's become a greater treasure that's Um, right as we just went through the the i am statements right we really see that jesus is the way to experience life Uh so there's just there's nothing better we can do in the whole world than worship God. It just puts everything else in its proper place. And so um, as you look in the scripture and you see who God is, you begin to worship um, and um, and that worship produces um, a joy in us. It's not based on our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's based on who God is. Come on. Well, Jace, uh, I have benefited in so many ways. I mean, to, to, zero in, I would say, you know, William is, William was one of the key players in my faith development. You know, when I became a Christian, my senior year of college, I turned pro William started catting for me and I'm forever grateful for that time we had because William was on fire for the Lord. William was reading every good book that he could find about, uh, theology about the Bible, whatever it might be. And he would read it, give it to me and I'd read it. And then we'd talk about it. And those were some of my favorite memories in life. And so just, you know, fast forward 15 years later and to see William kind of in his gifting of teaching the Bible, uh, the prep work that he did, um, is a gift for me. I'm learning stuff from William, every podcast. So I'm so grateful for him. And then for Ben, Uh, Ben's been a mentor to me, you know, ever since I turned pro um, in many more ways than just golf, but in parenting in the Christian life. Um, And honestly, like seeing Ben get emotional when we're talking about Jesus, when we're talking about what he did for us, uh, which it happens probably almost once a podcast. um, I love seeing that emotion from Ben because all that means is, Ben knows the weight of it. Ben knows the weight of what a savior went through. Ben knows the weight of his own sin. Um, and it's just tears of gratefulness. So that encourages me. And so like, I love the podcast for a gazillion reasons, but I would say those two are the ones that get me most excited. Just seeing William kind of in his wheelhouse, in his gifting and Ben just, you know, 
being in awe of Jesus is that keeps giving gifts to me every week. Yeah, is that is it's so encouraging just how much effort y'all have put into this podcast. Yeah. Um, having done over 30 episodes, that's impressive. Um, but more more than the impressiveness of um even William's teaching ability, Ben, your great question asking, Webb, your wisdom as well. But just the fact that all of it points to the person and work of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like all of it. So yep. Yeah. Yeah, we would be doing a disservice if if we made it at all about us. So we pray and we pray this if not every week, most weeks, that it would that God would be glorified. Like that's our hope. That God would be glorified, then people would know Jesus and what he did for him. And one of the ways that you know that you're in God's will is um you're you're you feel carried along. And 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 William and I and Webb have all talked about how you know, we, we want to make time for this, right? It's never like super convenient, but we want to make time for it. And then we just feel carried along um, and so encouraged um, in our own time of devotion, preparing for it. Um, and then also just in growing together and being in the word. It's just such, it's literally just one of the greatest hours of my week every week. So super mm-hmm. encouraged by it and thankful that we get the opportunity to do it. So good. Hey, William, any last thoughts just from Bible Caddy and whatnot? You know, I think it just a shout out to Jace Barber is, is due. You know, Jace is not only a, a podcast host, he's a podcast producer. And Let's so go. just mega props to Jace for, you know, helping us, helping us do this each week. It literally would not happen without him. Uh, I, I mean, we're I, literally, we are stupid. We are capital <laughs> S-T-U-I-P. <laughs> U-I-P, that's right. You hear that? I can't even spell stupid. That's how stupid I am. Uh, it would not happen at all without Jace. So thank you, Jace. No, thank you guys. Y'all have poured into me so much. Um, and I'm going to close it out here with Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. In mm. your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's everything we just talked about. So much more. Thank Amen. you, guys. Hope everybody is listening to this. Listens to Baba Caddy and you know, back and forth, fellas. Thanks so much. That was great. Thanks, Jace. Jace. Thanks, Toby. Appreciate you, boys. Hey, by the way, if we're off recording, if. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGFTweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.